Hi, this is ProX Sam. Welcome to this week's podcast where we look at a slow, painful withdrawal treaty being introduced for and what impact that has on EU Brexit for expats. What I want to look at is, is, is six issues um, and six ways that it, it's going to uh, uh, affect expats. All the noise about the withdrawal treaty for me, a lot of what I, I hear is the politics, is the vested interests of, of big business as well. And, and these don't affect most people. Most people are employed in, in small family businesses. Uh, most people's, uh, that these small businesses, these families invested overseas property in, in overseas investments and pensions um, and, and choose to relocate and retire abroad and and these uh people uh, are, are impacted by uh, eu brexit for expats there's families that have chosen to relocate within the eu so eu expats moving to the uk or uk expats relocating to live and work in another eu country for lifestyle reasons for historic family tie reasons uh for for previous career uh, reasons how is it going to impact their future? Well, let's have a look at what, first of all, what the withdrawal treaty includes. It includes six things. It includes a right to remain in the country, especially strong for EU expats in the UK, but essentially a mechanism that any expat living and working abroad in the EU, um, certainly in the UK, will have a right to remain in the UK during their lifetime. Uh, the social insurance agreements of the EU uh, will still be available. Uh, so the UK just has to have one agreement with the EU to get access to all those other EU treaties. But social insurance, like uh, tax, remains a, a sovereign issue. The EU has agreements, but it doesn't have complete control. So the UK is still able to have bilateral agreements uh, with individual countries and, and it will favour. So there's a particularly strong relationship between Cyprus and the UK, and, uh, but not so strong with other countries where the historic ties aren't as good. Uh, there's also going to be VAT changes. The EU have already announced that they're changing VAT. They need to change VAT, not least because the UK is a major contributor to the EU and one of the way, main ways that contribution comes from is from VAT that's paid by British business and, and residents on their, their sales. Uh, so VAT is going to change within the EU uh, and cross-border uh, treatment of, of VAT for business will, will change uh, and also rates might change. Uh, in the UK it's a different matter now, one of the, we saw in the recent budget in November 2018 that already one of the, the first impacts of that, the UK were talking about reducing the, the level at which VAT is, is required for a UK company. The UK is very high, needing £85,000, about €100,000 of turnover before a small business has to register for VAT. For, so for startups, service contract companies and small businesses, uh, they can have a 20% VAT um, a pricing advantage against a, a VAT company. Um, 
Now this was going to be halved, uh, but this was uh, put off indefinitely in, in the last budget. Uh, why was it going to be halved? Because that is the EU requirements. Although it's an EU tax, but it's still controlled by the local governments, but the EU have a thresholds, a minima and a maxima, uh, at which point uh, a business should register for VAT. Countries like Germany and Cyprus uh, have uh, businesses registering on the minimum via, uh, turnover threshold a year of around 15,000 euros, uh, whereas the UK were, were way over the top of that. They're not now going to fall in line. They're going to stay with their own independent rules. And that's because after Brexit, uh, the UK is likely to carry on with VAT, um, but it won't be paying the money to the EU anymore. It'll be keeping the money for itself. When you ask where the 39 million that the UK is going to pay, the 39 billion the UK is going to pay for the EU, it comes from VAT. So that money could be redirected into the British economy, the British Health Service, education uh, uh, and social services. Uh, a fourth thing it includes is, is confirmation that the UK law in all areas is aligned with the EU at, at the outset, at the, at the date of Brexit. Um, so why can't they just carry on as if nothing happens? Why can't they just agree that that's going to be the trade deal? Well, because that's not the way the EU works. The EU want the club to be special and they don't want to give an outsider, as the UK will be, uh, a right to access. And the fourth thing that in includes is a transitional period uh, to 2020 and beyond. Uh, so those, those are the things it includes. Now, with the transitional period, let's clarify what that's for. This is to allow the EU and the UK to negotiate a new trade deal for Britain and the UK and the EU 27 countries. Um, so after the UK leaves the EU on the 29th of March next year, um, the laws will be aligned so the UK will stay on those rules for the transitional period. The EU and the UK will agree a new transitional period and therefore big business has a, a consistent transitional period all the way through. This is the idea of the transitional period. It's purely to agree a new customs and trade deal and it's got no other purpose. It does provide one other key factor though. It gives it family and business uh, of, of expats and individuals the impression that um, the, the change is going to be gradual so it, 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 it stops it, it gives an impression that the status quo will be maintained and that there's going to be no dramatic changes um, yes it'll be gradual but still by the end of the transitional period there will be changes article 50 which is enshrined in UK law and that requires the UK to leave the EU. So technically that cannot be undone. So if a withdrawal treaty is not agreed, then there'll be no deal. It, it, what no deal means is that many of the factors within the withdrawal treaty will still be there. Most of them will still be there. What won't be there is the transitional period for the customs and trade. The, the, the two organisations, the UK and, and the EU, will go straight to world trade trading. 
it, it, it won't stop anything, it'll just be different. And the shock of the change will be a bit more dramatic and, and a, a bit greater. And that, that will affect different people in different ways. There'll always be winners and losers. Um, but those changes are going to happen, whether they happen on the, the at the end of March next year, or whether they happen over the period of the transition period, then expats need to plan ahead. So EU expats living in the UK or UK expats living in in Europe, uh, those families and business need to consider what they need to do. So here's six things that uh, uh, expats can do now. First of all, they should consider uh, the changes that are coming ahead that we, we see within the withdrawal treaty, but are going to change anyway and plan for those future changes and make those changes for their family and business. Uh, the changes, remembering that changes, this point two, changes made by expats before Brexit or before the end of any transitional period are always made as EU citizens with the UK within the EU. So the, the EU expat in the UK still has full EU citizens rights in the UK to the end of the transitional period. And UK expats in the EU still have full EU citizenship rights to the end of the transitional period. But you have to say with, with four months to go, that there is a good strong possibility that there is no transitional period uh, because the relatively term no trade deal is enacted. Third point to look at, to review your immigration status for the same points as above. Uh, EU and UK expats or EU citizens in the UK and the EU to the end of um, uh, Brexit date or the end of the transitional period. So review your immigration status and optimise your, your status for your family and business um, uh, ahead of time. So you've not got no difficult shocks and changes to visas or immigration that might be required uh, later on in 2020, 21 or, or beyond. Also review and organize your overseas property business and investments in, in, in a tax efficient manner. So VAT changes, uh, cross-border tax changes, um, uh, working rules, regulation rules, so it could be that uh, an EU bus uh, a UK business uh, operating in the EU needs to establish uh, an EU branch. So to do that, what, what steps is it going to take and, and take those now as an EU based uh, citizen and, and organisation uh, to establish a foothold? If a UK business has got a, a Cyprus based uh, branch or operating company, then it has that that Cyprus branch and operating company has full access to the to to the EU. Um, a fifth consideration is for UK expats to review their will. Now English law allows a person to leave uh, their assets to anyone that they choose. There are laws of intestacy if you don't make a will, uh, which mean it prescribes who is the beneficiary. Uh, but they, that becomes largely down to blood relatives or spouses. So unmarried uh, partners, uh, people with stepchildren, first marriages, second marriages, um, can have quite a profound effect 
on who benefits if your your will is not updated. Now, European law was changed in 2015. The UK didn't adopt that that directive on, on wills, but it, in effect, uh, forced heirship is the norm within the EU. So, the any property or business assets or investment assets that are held in an EU country uh, on death will, will be left by the local laws of intestacy and, and therefore um, a, 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 a married partner could be leaving money to their children by a first marriage and leaving their, their, their spouse or their new partner or their new partner's children without any financial support or inheritance. Um, it could be that you actually want to support children by the first marriage and not the second marriage. All these things need to be considered um, uh, by UK, UK expats if they want to avoid forced airship rules. Uh, contact us uh, to find out more. We can do free reviews online uh, uh, to, to help you. And then the final thing is consider how your medical cover is provided. Now, so there's a common EU social insurance agreement, but other than that, it's dependent upon bilateral treaties. So while remaining within the EU, the social insurance agreements will, will still apply for EU citizens. But once the transitional period is over, or if it doesn't exist, then it's down to bilateral treaties and bilateral agreements. Though, so there's provision for those to be maintained uh, for EU expats living in the UK, but what will be the country by country approach uh, within the EU if a contentious and acrimonious split results in uh, with no custom or business trade deal? So those are six points to look out for. Hope you found this podcast interest. Um, comment on our blog at projectpartnership.com or uh, on our uh, living and working abroad page on Facebook. Uh, we'll try and answer your questions there. But uh, and if you find any of these points interesting, like, comment, and, and share them with with other expats who who might benefit from this information. There's a lot of noise going round, uh, a, a lot of disturbance for vested interests. It's important that we we stick to the facts of what's important for family and business, living and working abroad, relocating overseas and investing offshore. This is a pro Sam saying thanks for listening and listen to us next time and we'll speak to you soon.